Today's show is sponsored by Talkspace, the online therapy company. For a fraction of the price of traditional therapy, you can pick an experienced, licensed therapist you relate to and feel comfortable with. Each and every therapist has at least a master's degree and has completed over 3,000 hours of supervised work. To match with your perfect therapist, go to Talkspace.com forward slash boom. And to show your support for this podcast, use code boom to get $30 off your first month. That's boom. Talkspace.com slash boom. B-O-O-M. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Welcome back to Hive Talk Live. It's the beginning of Season 4, and we have our pre-draft special. It is an annual tradition here at Hive Talk Live. It's Hornets Talk for the Hardcore Fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. I'm Doug Branson, joined by the whole Hive Talk Live crew in the studio. First, my good friend, my sneaker enthusiast and real cool sunglasses wearing guy, David Walker. David, it's good to be back. It's good to hear that intro. It's good to hear that voice. That's the best intro. Have you been working on that? It no, hit, you know I haven't. Points? I haven't changed it. I I like it too much. I just think once you you have a good thing, you stick with it. I like it. I like it. Thanks. Well, also in studio, my co-host for Hive Talk Live Thursdays, brought to you by ESPN 7:30 AM. His love of the NBA is only matched by his love for chicken nuggets. He's Justin Thomas. Justin, welcome in, my friend. I'm excited to be here, fellas. Actually, I went to Chick-fil-A today. I didn't get the nuggets. I got the Chick-fil-A sandwich, number one, with no pickles. But- <laughs> That's what I get, dude. No pickles. <laughs> See, I'm See no I'm pickles. This, is just, this is a room of, of smart guys right here. We so just I'm met. Excited. We've known each other for five minutes. Well, already- I wonder if you guys are going to agree as much on Chick-fil-A sandwiches as you will in the Hornets draft strategy. I think. I'm I mean, what do you th- what do you think of the? <laughs> do you think that the chicken sandwich has high enough motor to to stick around in your your lunch rotation? That's what I want to know. What is it? It's is a it, staple. I, I believe it's probably a superstar player. If we're just being honest here. Oh, really? Yeah. It's, Tons it's, of potential. Oh yeah, star. <laughs> is it a safe pick or is it a potential? But I say it's Chick Fil A. It's got to be that the chicken sandwich has got to be a safe pick. Oh right? yeah. Safe. I it's mean, it's number one in the draft. It's a starter. Yeah, it's a four-year senior. Mm-hmm. I feel like. All right, coming up, we're, we're done with sandwiches. Coming up, uh, Hive Talk Live alum and editor of QueenCityHoops.com, Spencer Percy, joins us on the Hive Talk Live hotline to examine the options and the players the Hornets could look at with the 22nd selection in the NBA draft. Plus, we take you around the mock drafts and play our favorite game, not named Benel's Burns. That's right. <laughs> it's speculation. Let's hit it. We're also on Periscope. We're on Periscope right now live. So if you are joining us live on Periscope and uh, you have questions, definitely hit us up. I'll I'll try to get my head over to check and see if uh, anyone has draft questions for us. We'll be on Periscope until Spencer Percy joins us because uh, they won't be able to hear anything that Spencer says. So we we should go ahead and uh, dive off of Periscope at that point. And Justin and I just snapped it, sent a few snaps out. I, oh, yeah. I don't get it. You gotta I be don't, on the snap. I do not get Snapchat. If you're not Snapchat, I know, you're not living. That's what I, I did on my summer break. I know that makes me a very old already, but I just don't get Snapchat. I don't get the idea that it just goes away. I know there are stories. I participated in them on At The Hive, but... There you go. You gotta get on the snap. 
I'll work on it because we have a snap oh, chat it's avatar username. I don't know what you call it. Let's talk about the Hornets' needs <laughs> in the NBA draft coming up. And, and I don't, well, I think we should open this show. Uh, uh, first of all, we need to talk about a few rules in this show. Let's lay down a couple of ground rules. First of all, and these are these are these rules are based on things we've learned doing this for a few years now. Number one, this is all a giant crapshoot, which makes I think talking about needs a little silly. But it, it's all just one big gamble for these guys, and especially in a weak draft after the first two picks, it really is a gamble. Um, but ultimately, I think the the one thing that we've learned is that whatever names we end up talking about as possibilities for the 22nd pick, or even the possibility that the Hornets will select 22, I think uh, it'll all be wrong. It'll it'll all be completely uh, useless. So definitely keep listening. But I just want to warn you now. I just want to be honest with our listeners that we've for the past we've been doing this for four years now, David. And and that's the other thing, Doug. We've no, gotten it wrong a lot. All predictions, all workouts, <laughs> none of it matters. No, no mock draft is ever nailed what the Hornets are going to do. You know, I mean, you about Cody Zeller. Uh, then they had uh, Vonleh fall to him. No one knew that was going to happen. Then they had Winslow fall to him. We don't need to relive that all night again. Right. But and then we didn't find out that they fell in love with Kaminsky until three hours before the draft. Right. There, there are all of these variables that are not even in the Hornets' control, but then you have all of these general managers, all of these front offices, putting up these smoke screens, sending out these signals, leaking false information. I think and it's so, gotten worse. I mean, not worse, better, however you look at it. I think it's 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 amplified. And you couple that with the fact that these guys, a lot of them coming out, I mean, they're not ready to contribute right away, in my opinion, as much as it felt like they were, I don't know, five years ago, to me at least. Well, I I think it's gotten worse because you have one true source of draft information on draft night, and that's Woj. I mean, he's going to break the stories. And so if you're a beat writer or you're someone, a journalist, trying to break a story or break you really just have rumors leading up to the draft that's all you have and so you have no chance of beating Woj on draft night so I think you're more liberal with some of the speculation that's out there you're willing to live with that and and put that out there I think that's why and you have Twitter and people I just think people they want again this the draft is all about hope and people want to believe that their team is going to move up. And so when you see the Hornets and the Spurs, this latest rumor that they're rumored to want to move up to the 12 spot, you want to hope as a fan, yeah, let's let's be players in this draft. But it's all I think it's all smoke and mirrors. Mock drafts, they just create a bunch of false hope. They're not good for you. I get tweets every <laughs> single day. They're candy. They're at least five to six mock drafts. And people tweet me, Every single day. As much as I would like to think, you know, I'm a pretty smart guy. And I know a lot of things going on. When it comes to the draft, I don't know anything. You know, I just know who come to work out and, and how workouts go. And that's about it. We have a, a Periscope question. Who would we move up to get? That's that's a great question because I think you you talk every year about the tiers that the draft has, right? Uh-huh. And, and I was listening to Chad Ford, uh, the ESPN draft analyst, on another podcast, and he talked about the tiers as being very not top heavy. It's it's <clears throat> like the first tier is one and two, and then maybe it's two through seven, but then seven through sixty 
it, it just question marks everywhere. Yeah, I mean, from twenty two, that's a pretty that's a pretty big jump. Depending on where you're trying to grab one guy that I noticed when I was researching this, and his name's popped up a lot lately is uh, is Chris. Marquise Chris. Marquise Chris, right. And and he's a big question mark though, right? But he's he's slated to go like four right now. Um and there's a lot of intrigue around him. So I mean that's a sexy name, I guess, if you want to answer for who I might grab uh if you're gonna move up. But that's that you're talking about moving into the top four, that that's unrealistic. Well and and I think I think if you so let's just let's play with this a little bit, okay? So say they want to move to twelve and, and take that Utah pick. I don't know what they would have to give up, but they could move in if they felt like the guy that they fell in love with is suddenly moving up draft board. So they had Thon Maker in uh, to do a workout, and they really liked him. Um, they really liked – I think that there were some signs that they were interested in Beasley, perhaps. And so if you think those guys are starting to drift into the 15 – A green room guy now. Right. Yeah. So if you really fell in love with – and would it be a stretch to get him at 12? Maybe. But if you got to get a guy – and you know he's going to go 15 to 18, then sometimes you have to move up and and take that guy. 12 for Beasley. Well, again, it's not, but that's, <laughs> see, I think people get caught up in oh, the. Oh, another question, big guy. Oh, we got another question. What would we give up? Yeah, I don't know. That's the thing. They don't have a second round pick. Well, they don't have a ton of assets either because they have eight free agents. And we talked a lot about this, uh, Justin, on the ESPN Charlotte podcast that. There's so much uncertainty with this draft in terms of the prospects themselves. Everyone has, you know, save for the first five to six picks, everyone has a big question mark that whether it's an injury like Denzel Valentine or even Beasley, a guy I love, has got a stress fracture injury, or it's it's one glaring thing in their game that says, whoa, I don't know if this guy can hang around in the NBA or not. Uh, so you have that uncertainty, but then you couple that with the uncertainty surrounding the team, eight free agents. Yeah, and so Cho's commented on that in the le- in the weeks leading up to this, just that it's hard to draft for need when they don't even know who's going to be around and, and what they're going to do. So that feels like a, a best player available scenario to me, unless they just say, hey, let's just trade out of this and, and call it a night. Well, I mean, Justin, I don't even know if it's a best player available scenario because I think at 22 – you don't know what your assets you don't know what assets you're going to be able to bring back in free agency or you don't know who you're going to be able to pursue in free agency. I don't even know if it's a best player available more than maybe just take a shot. Yeah. Try to hit a home run. Yeah. Because again, 22 just a lot of question marks uh and we'll we'll talk more about this in the mock draft to see who the the Hornets may be targeting or who the mock drafts have them targeting and but that's yeah that's a better way of putting it Doug I mean because I'm big on best taking a opportunity risk best opportunity available. right not best player what do you think about that best opportunity I like that. available I like that it makes you feel good too opportunity that has a lot of color in it you know so you can allow your imagination to wander when you hear opportunity and and I think Thon Maker is is a player that oh, has a ton of opportunity he's got the 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 incredible wingspan the incredible <sighs> reach he's got uh, the his arms are longer than Kevin Durant uh, it, it's it's outstanding i don't <laughs> his know if they're forearm long. in it, person it, he's are they longer than than Giannis i feel like just in the uh, pictures it seems Giannis Giannis esque Jan Janish 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 yeah He's a Greek freak. Don Maker is easy to fall in love with. He he was yeah. like just watching him shoot jump shots at you know when the workouts were over and 
and just being able to peek through the windows and see him running a little bit, it's easy to really want to take a The jumper looks fluid, right? Yes, it does. And I wonder, you know, and we can get into this when we talk to these guys about these guys individually, but how much of, you know, the Biombo um thought process and the, He's and more the post skilled and the, yeah, 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 for sure, but the postseason that Biombo had all the talk about, you know, they were missing him in the playoffs and blah blah blah. I mean, this it feels like a a second chance to draft a guy like that. Um and Doug, like you said, I mean, he's a guy that you could just say, hey, if he hits his ceiling, it's a massive steal. Um, if he doesn't, you know, we, we use a 20-second pick on him. Well, you use a 20-second pick, and I think, you know, if you're confident in, in how your free agency is going to play out and you're confident in your position uh, to, to be able to bring back a lot of the core, which is what this team has expressed interest in doing, then you're in a much better position to take a flyer. I think. All right. So, well, those we really didn't even talk about what their needs are, but we we can, we can briefly. I mean, they're obviously going to go after shooting and free agency and and keep that uh, transition that they made last off season going. Uh, the also defensive center or defensive big man. I think they're looking for that shot blocking. Um, I think their biggest need is, is just two way players, guys mm-hmm. that can the guys that can shoot or get to the rim and also play defense because I feel like in the playoffs and late in the season, they had some issues with their rotation where and we talked a ton about this in our in our playoffs analysis that they kept running into situations where it's like, well, we could play this guy, but he kills us in this area, or we could play this guy, but he kills us in offense. And there were too many of those type of situations, and I think they have to bring in uh, players – one or two pieces that can do it both ways where the league is going right i mean these switching screens three and d guys these yeah. wing guys that can play like you said two or three positions i think you're right i mean shot making was a big uh point of emphasis for me just watching the last couple of heat games just another guy out there but two can make your shots but if you shut down kimba it'd be nice to have like you know a jr smith type Somebody shot maker and this, i think pj maybe was gonna fill that role man. didn't work out that way this is a this was a great question that just popped up on our periscope feed would it be more exciting to have thon maker or uh, malik beasley on nba 2k I, Thon, uh, has to be thon. but beasley's exciting though here's the thing i think beasley would probably get the higher rating for sure so Thon, it would look cool to have him on the court because he is so tall and the long arms and, and you know, 2K gets everything so right these days. It would be interesting to have him on the court just from a visual perspective in 2K. But in terms of using that player, I'm sure they would nerf the hell out of him. And so Beasley would probably be an asset on the video game that you could actually use because of his athleticism. Uh, he can get to the rim. And again, I, I speak about him in reality when I'm talking about 2K because it's so damn realistic these days. He would be Biombo-esque in 2K at this point, right? Don't you think? Well, I mean... Just the unknown. I mean, they don't know. Yeah, I mean, I played a lot with the Hornets in 2K last this past season, and Frank Kaminsky, I I just could not get him to hit threes. And and I know he can, and he certainly... He struggle. He wasn't... Well, he was streaky, (laughs) but I could not get him to hit a a three-pointer. It was so frustrating. And so... I just think 2K <laughs> with the rookies, they're like, no, nah, these guys aren't going to shoot. Did you trade them? No, I, I don't play seasons. I can't. That's just too much of an of an investment. Um, but I definitely would have traded. <laughs> I'm a trade. I would, look, if I do play seasons, I'm I'm all about getting the team that I want to play with. 
All right, so um, we've uh, we'll get back to the draft talk, but we've taken some time to catch our breath. We've taken some time off from the show, and we haven't been around to cover the few little bits, little nuggets of news and rumors that are floating around the Hornets universe. Let's take a second to address them in a segment we call "Since We've Been Gone." Uh, anytime I can get Kelly Clarkson on this show, it's going to happen. Just understand that first. Rumor has it Nick Batum's free agency may be over Pluto rather than Plutar. That's French for sooner rather than later. According to, is it FIBA or FIBA? FIBA or nah, FIBA? I think it's, nah. I think it's is FIBA. FIBA. Are you kidding? It's I can't FIBA. remember. It's FIBA. FIBA. Are you sure? Yeah, like FIFA. All right. It's, it's not FIFA? I'm not a big soccer fan. All right, FIBA. <laughs> Justin losing it over here. All right, FIBA.com. According to them, according to this article, Batum's agent had previously indicated that his client would be in the United States resolving his NBA future and that the paperwork would not be finalized in time for him to play for the French national team this summer because obviously he's pursuing free agency. However, however, now it is understood that the French player and the Hornets will quickly agree to terms on a new deal and that could give France enough time to obtain insurance for Batum and allow him to be part of the team. Again, that according to FIBA.com. Is this a good sign, David? Yeah, it's an excellent sign. You know what's interesting? I was listening to the Zach Lowe. <laughs> we just talked about not believing rumors, but I believe the rumors that I really like, and I really like Well, you couple rumor. that with the fact, <laughs> his exit interview and the things he had to yeah. say, and we know how much he does value playing for that French national team. So, I mean, that's that's not an ins- insignificant note that they put out there. Justin, good sign? You Great think? sign. That's about it. We don't really right. need to go anywhere. Well, I, you know, I just, uh, I don't know if you heard Kevin Durant talking to uh, Royce Young from ESPN.com, and Royce was asking him about his free agency pursuit, and uh, he said, "Look, Kevin Durant said, I just want to play ball," and I think that is an attitude that is permeating throughout. We saw it with LaMarcus Aldridge, and I think we'll see it again with Nick Batum. I think it's permeating throughout the league that guys want to go play with coaches and with players players that they like to hang out with and coaches that that make them better basketball players it's not necessarily about small market mid market large market you know you're always going to have guys that pursue that but i think more and more players even star players are considering the the situation well it's interesting you mentioned durant he's obviously going to have a lot of suitors the the biggest name around him right now is golden state and zach Lowe mentioned this on his podcast today you know they've got a decision to make with harrison barnes the wing the market for wing players is durant and the next guy they mentioned is batum and after that it's a big fall off so i think the sooner the hornets can get that wrapped up because they're going to talk to durant as soon as they can right and if in the meantime batum is locked up and taken care of you just you don't have to worry about that anymore so uh in a roundabout way you know that that's that's where they they can stand with uh with batum but yeah i think it's a good sign doug what do you think i I think it's a very good sign again i just i think that this team fits batum's personality in terms of there are a lot of even keel guys on this team a a lot of guys that that tend to just get along with everyone, and I think that that fits Nick Batum's personality. But then, go ahead. No, no, raised, David. No, da- raised, yes, uh, the, 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 the honorable senator from uh, Charlotte. I was just going to say, and we've put the discussion of Max or no Max to bed, right? I mean, at least I have, because I still have guys asking. If this me, is going to be over quickly, yeah. then yeah, 
Same with the OJ case. We just but, we just watched the OJ documentary. Oh Look, if God. it's over, well, the, the jury came out in OJ one day, uh, and you knew at that point. But that's something they have to do. Don't do you agree? I want to talk more about the OJ documentary. <laughs> that's been tough. It's been tough on my. I had heart. to take a break after four. It's been tough on my heart. Yeah, it was good. I'm glad I, I was on vacation, so I got to watch it. I just I just mm. munched it. It's great it. though. Yeah. All right. Next, Jeremy Lin told the Charlotte Observer that he plans to opt out of the second year of his deal with the Charlotte Hornets, making him an unrestricted free agent. But he has also uh, said he would, quote, love to, unquote, stay in Charlotte. Do you believe him, Justin? I believe Jeremy Lin to a degree. That he would um, love to stay. Well, okay. I, I, let me. I, that was a dumb question. I'm sorry. I, I, I retract my question okay. because I, I think I believe that he would love to play in Charlotte. Do you think that loving to play in Charlotte is enough to make him stay here? No chance. Because <laughs> there we go. That was the better because question. Because <laughs> people these days, guard play is, is very, very important in this league. And outside of guard play, you need wings. So focusing on guard play, Jeremy Lin had a very good year, and somebody is going to overpay for him. Like I think he would actually love to be in Charlotte, but I mean, when you have to turn down. Millions, like not just a few millions, but like people are gonna throw him some good money, and and some people might make him a starter. And I don't, I can't pay him starter money because I think he's best as a backup. But somebody's gonna throw him a lot of money, and it's gonna be hard to turn that down. The Hornets could move enough money, I think, to be a considerable player for Jeremy Lin. But I think he hit the word on the head, starter. Yeah, I agree with Justin on that. I think ideally he is a fantastic backup point guard. He can play obviously starters minutes, and he can play starter. He can be a starter for some of these teams. He but, can play starter basketball in stretches, right? Yes. Um, I think two of the well, one of the teams is obviously Houston, um, where he's got, which is interesting to me because it was Harden there when when Lynn yes. was there? Yeah, yeah right. And, so I mean, right, and yeah, they so, sub, they ended up subbing him out for Patrick Beverly be, for defensive so that was kind of interesting I, I get the uh, i get the the relation there and the other one is you know he could go to new uh brooklyn i'm sorry yeah. and, and be the starter because he got he's got a relationship with that head coach there as well but i mean you want to go to brooklyn and be a starter or just to be a starter right so i mean i think that's what it's going to come down to i think you're right doug the hornets can get in the neighborhood of you know his salary it's going to come down to weighing his options if he wants to be a starter bad enough to go somewhere that may not be as competitive uh, from the outset, that's what it's going to come down to to me. Next, great, Michael, great Snapchatter, by the way, Jeremy Lin. He he is one of the. Now I do know this because uh, producer Katie follows him closely on Snapchat, and uh, she shares those with me. Very interesting. So Katie's on Snapchat, she and you on, are. I am not. She's very she's very hip to the Snapchat. I just I ch- I just like to chat with text. It's quicker. You're, no, old man. Because here's snap. the thing: you you have to understand. It's the same reason why. I, I don't get a tattoo because <laughs> no stay with me that that goes away there's nothing similar well stay no, with that doesn't me. go away I'm sorry right <laughs> but stay with me the reason I don't get a tattoo is because I'm too indecisive when it comes to these type of things I, I wouldn't know what to get I wouldn't know exactly how I want it to look Snapchat Snapchat is the same way I, I do a snap I take a picture and then Katie's like no you got to put text in it and then oh you can put text this way and you can draw with this thing. I'm like, I can't do it I just want to chat I just want to send a message I can't do it you can do it can't is not in a man's vocabulary loving basketball all right let's get to this one before we get to uh, Spencer Percy uh, Michael Kidd Gil <laughs> We got one more question. Uh, We're Snapchat is quicker than texting, bro. Okay, it can't. No, <laughs> yeah, I bro. understand. It can be, bro. It can be. 
Get off my lawn. Exactly. I'm being, no, I'm saying, no, here's the thing. I'm not saying get off my lawn. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm not being old man about this. I'm, I'm, I'm saying if you want to Snapchat, great. I just, I can't do it. It's a me thing. It's a personal problem. Uh, okay. We still love you. I don't understand. Even Siri doesn't understand me. All right, next. Michael Kidd Gilchrist is getting healthy once again, and according to an interview he did with Rick Bennell of the Charlotte Observer, he'll be back in time for October's training camp. MKG recovering from a torn labrum injury in his shoulder he suffered after the All-Star break. At the time, he had just returned from rehabbing that same shoulder from a previous labrum tear. He was quoted as saying, I'm shooting, I'm lifting, I'm running, I'll be ready for next season. David, how ready are you to see MKG back on the court for the Hornets? Are you reticent at all? Yeah, I think that's going to solve a lot of problems for the Hornets too because there's your, you know, not exactly a two-way player just yet, but a lot of those rebounds and a lot of that getting out on the break, that's that's I mean, he fits that to a T. That's what they were missing. Um another piece they're missing. So you got to remember you're getting that back, but it's just you know you want to see a full season, right? I mean, that's that's the thing. It's just you're so cautious with that and hopefully Maybe, maybe, I mean, you don't want him to change his style of play. We've talked about this before, but he, he's got to do something. I mean, he can't something. take those hard falls. Justin, he said, I'm shooting, I'm lifting. I'm wondering if he's adding any bulk to that frame. That would be great. Trying to Still get young, a little right? protective. Still yeah, because he said um, going into this season, he took the Cam Newton approach where he was just eating chicken and fish. But I'm like, he's he's a lean 240. Mm. He'd be pretty good at like 250, 254. Like, I, I think that would help him out a lot because he he tends to, like, when he falls, it's, yeah. it's like the out of control types of falling. And I think a little bit of girth, I think that could serve him well. Just at least like eight pounds, maybe. Not even anything drastic, but just to kind of bulk him up a little bit. I like it. Uh, this has been uh, this edition of Since We've Been Gone. <laughs> All right, let's get out to the phone lines uh, on the Hive Talk Live hotline. Again, uh, uh, Hive Talk Live alum and the editor of QueenCityHoops.com, Spencer Percy. Spencer, welcome in. What's going on, fellas? How are we doing? Oh, we're doing great. Spencer, would it be fair to say that that you get really excited around draft time? Yeah, that would that would be a pretty fair assumption, I think. How'd you know? Well, I just I just sort of assumed because you're you're all over the place. I'm listening to you on uh, WFNZ. I'm I'm seeing the great articles there at QueenCityHoops.com. I mean, it just seems like you are a draft guy. What 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 excites you about well, draft time? Uh, it's, uh, well, usually what excites me is the Hornets have a really good pick. <laughs> so you, <laughs> you think you're you know you think you're going to start to see a little glimpse of the future. So that's typically what excites me, but. This year's a little different. Uh, it's still exciting, though. I think the most interesting thing about this year's draft has been the uh, the fluidity, uh, really, after you get past the lottery of just where anybody could fall. I don't think there's a whole lot of elite talent or even starter-level starter talent, uh, really middle, back into the first round, early second round. But I think there are a lot of really good basketball players that can stay in the league a long time. So if you're sitting in one of those spots, which the Hornets are, it, it makes it makes it interesting so a lot of people are claiming that this is a weak draft or at least there are a lot of question marks in this draft but you you think that there could be some players that hang around for a long time if they might not necessarily be star players but they can hang around yeah i think so i mean i I, you also have 
a good amount of four-year guys, three-year guys that I think will step in and contribute immediately. And, and I say that because a lot of these guys are going to be drafted on the playoff teams, and they're going to be asked to play minutes next season, uh, especially on teams that you know aren't going to try to play their stars for you know a full 82-game schedule. And, and so some of these guys that you know I think have spent a few years in college have good experience at a high-level basketball, and, and are just flat-out good players are going to have a chance to compete. Uh, for good teams next year, and that always propels a guy's career is when he's in a, a situation to be successful. And what I mean by that is on a successful team. Um, so I think you're going to see one of these: Denzel Valentine, Malcolm Brogdon, Demetrius Jackson, DeAndre Bembry. You know, one of these guys who's been in school for a while, competing on a high level. One of them's going to pop and, and be a good player in the league, maybe even a starter. Well, before we talk about the options that the Hornets have at 22 or options you may think they will have, let's talk about the possibility that they even select at 22. Rich Cho, of course, in his um, press conference leading up to the draft, said that they could possibly move up. We have saw that rumor recently that they're looking to, uh, possibly to move up to the 12 spot, or they could uh, trade back altogether and and try to get uh, maybe even move a contract, try to get some cap space. What do you think? Do you think they're going to actually pick at 22 and keep the player that they select? Uh, I mean, I think the ideal situation, uh, it's really hard because really every scenario you look at it seems like it could be a good option. Um, So that's what makes it so hard to predict what the Hornets are going to do. But I I just think the best option for them, best scenario would be to trade out of the first round or, you know, make a pick for somebody else and trade that player and try to get a few picks in the second round, or even if it's only one pick and, you know, something else, some cash, I even think maybe that might be an option for the Hornets. They need as much cash space as they can create right now, because I know they would like to bring back as many of those five free agents as possible. Um, I mean, I think that the, the fan base, I think that the front office, I think that the roster uh, the guys on the roster from last year, I mean, they think they want to run this back, and, and they think they get a good chance at, at doing even better than they did this past season, um, you know, especially with MKG returning. So I think that would be top priority if you're the front office. That you're just not going to get anything at 22 that would be the equivalent of being able to bring back four of the five, uh, of the five free agents opposed to three of the five free agents. That is a much more worthwhile option for the Hornets then drafting a guy at 22 is just not going to move the needle for you right now as the Hornets need it moved. Here with Spencer Percy, uh, editor of QueenCityHoops.com. Spencer, okay, if they if they can't find a suitor for that 22nd pick or they don't feel like they got a good enough deal to get rid of that 22nd pick and, and they have to make a selection, they have to give up a few million dollars in guaranteed money, what players do you look at and say, okay, they're they're not necessarily major rotation players, but they can have a role at some point in the season. They're not, you know, stash away players in the D League. These guys could have an impact on the floor next season at twenty two. Um, a guy I really think that Charlotte might take a look at uh, is, is Demetrius Jackson. Uh, I just I feel like the Hornets probably don't have a great chance to bring back Jeremy Lin. And they're going to have to plug that need somewhere. I think that you're also going to find they're going to have to they're going to have to search for a big man in free agency. So I think a guy like Jackson is a player who can bring production right away. I mean, he, he's a, he's a big time athlete, um, not a huge scorer, but but 
definitely has a first step and is as quick as anybody uh, in college basketball last year. Um, 6'2", can play off the ball, did a little bit the year before when he had, um, my mind just blanked, the, the, the point guards of the Knicks drafted the year before, and now I can't remember his name, of course. But anyways, he's played off the ball some. Uh, you know, he's undersized. You know, it's 6'2". I don't know how much that him and Kimba would be able to be on the floor together. But there's a guy who can plug a need for you immediately. Uh, so I really like Demetrius Jackson. I think that, you know, Denzel Valentine's a guy they're going to be looking at. Um, he's got some medical issues uh, with the bad knees. The Hornets just have to decide they're willing to take a chance on a guy like that. I think a guy like Tarion Prince from Baylor, another a guy who's going to be able to guard quite possibly one through four uh, in the NBA and is a decent shooter. Uh, kind of 3-and-D guy. There's another one. Check Diallo falls to you. Um, you know, DeAndre Bembry, I think, is the other guy that really sticks out of that list, Doug, that I think, I mean, here's a guy who can play on the ball, can play off the ball, okay shooter, but he's just a playmaker. He can dribble, he can pass, he can shoot, he can play different positions. Um, so those are a few names that I would, I would say guys that can step in next year and play minutes. Philosophically, Spencer, you, you spend a lot of time analyzing uh, each year's draft, and, and I'm sure you've, you you go back and look at past drafts and, and analyze how guys progress. I mean, what kind of players do you think end up being successful? Is there one or two things that you look at and go, yeah, that's that's a real great indicator of, of future success uh, with a player, whether they develop uh, soon or whether they develop in a few years, or or is it just all one big uh, mishmash crapshoot? Yeah, no, I mean, I think I think you look at I mean, I think you look at rebounding rate uh, and assist rate. I mean, those two things to me are those two things to me really signal signal an efficient basketball player. Mm. I mean, I think shooting numbers are a little bit overrated when it comes to uh, evaluating these prospects. I mean, you got to look at how a guy goes after the basketball to me. You got you got to watch how he moves on the floor. Does he cut hard? Does he come to the ball hard? Uh, does he go after the basketball? These are the things that for me tell me more about a basketball player. Look, I mean, you don't know what kind of system some of these guys played in. You don't know what their role was on a college level, uh, college basketball is very different than college, than NBA. So, you know, I think you look more at the hustle stuff and I, and, and, and IQ stuff. So that's why I say rebounding um, and, and assist rate. Um, I, I just don't think that you stare at the, you stare at the scoring numbers, you stare at the three point percentages you know, stuff like this sometimes can get way overblown because these guys come from all kinds of different defensive and offensive systems in, in college basketball to where they go to the NBA Really, you're effectively talking about uh, a league that basically plays the same stuff. I mean, everybody runs the same stuff, um, more so on offense than defense, but what what rises to the top is the best athletes along with the guys that are smartest and play the hardest. So those are the kind of things that I think you got to look for when you're evaluating and watching film on some of these prospects. Here with Spencer Percy from QueenCityHoops.com. Uh, Spencer, uh, a guy that I've fallen in love with, uh, Malik Beasley. I ended up taking him in a live mock draft that I did earlier today, and and you were talking about Demetrius Jackson uh, earlier in the interview, and uh, a few people criticized me because Jackson was available, but I decided I opted to go with Malik Beasley instead because I just really love his athleticism, the the explosion that he has on that first step, reminded me a lot of Avery Bradley. Tell us your thoughts on Malik Beasley. Could he be a good fit at 22 for the Hornets if he's available? 
Yeah, I like Beasley. I do. I, I think he's he has a high basketball IQ. He is a big-time scorer. He can do it in a lot of different ways. Um, probably weakest part of his game right now is just as a ball handler. Um, you know, at 6'5", I think 190, you want to see a guy who can play with the ball in his hands, playing a pick and roll. I don't know that he can do that yet, but a great shooter uh, with a perfect uh, shot motion. Um, you know, one dribble pull-up, two dribble pull-ups. I mean, he, he's got all that in the scoring arsenal. Uh, defensively, uh, I don't like him as a defensive player. It's not because he doesn't play hard or try hard, I, but, you know, he, his measurables are not good. You know, he's got barely a six seven wingspan. You know, without shoes, he's barely 6'4". I don't even know if he is 6'4". So, you, know, you look at him and you say, you know, this is a guy who can only guard ones and twos in the league, if he can even guard ones. Um, I just He feels limited to me outside of just a, maybe a six-man score down the road. I think that, to me, that's his, his ceiling. But he can really score it, uh, Doug. So, you know, I think 22, if he's there, the Hornets want to – kind of uh they want to kind of go middle of the road on the pick and say well we're not going to take a guy who can play right now a guy we can develop but we think he could be really good i think Beasley, you know could be their pick but um i don't i don't think the direction i would go in if if i'm charlotte and i need a player who could come in and play now spencer we talked a lot about guards uh you you did bring up prince who who plays big but are there any other big men that the Hornets could target at 22? I'm just seeing a lot of these big men, and, the, and it looks like in that 22 range, it's it's either uh, you're, you're taking a flyer on uh, – I mean, there's obviously Thon Maker if he's available, or you're taking a flyer on an international guy, or uh, you, you might want to wait till the second round. Your thoughts on what's available to them in terms of uh, power forward or center? Yeah, I mean, I think Maker is interesting. Um, I think the Hornets do like him. Um, but he's, you just don't know. I mean, Maker has not played on a high level. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who's played with the ball in his hands for most of his career, dating back to early high school. Um, you know, that's going to have to change in the NBA. I just think he's too big of a risk. Uh, but he's an incredible, I mean, seven one. Guy can shoot threes, put it on the deck. I mean, it's, it, it, he's not a talent that comes along with those kind of skill, with that kind of skill set, uh, very often. So he's interesting. I think the Hornets are talking about him. I think uh, Zijic's and um, and uh, who's the other the Zubak, the other international big. Um, I don't know a ton about him. And I think that uh, Zubak's the one with the incredible motor. Um, don't know a lot about Zijic. The Hornets could go that direction, I suppose, but there's a guy that's going to have to go to the D League. Um, and then, you know, I, I've said – for a while, I really think maybe the best case scenario for the Hornets in this entire draft, uh, at 22, that is, if they pick there, would be if a guy like Czech Diallo fell to him. I, I just really, really like that guy's potential as a player. Um, I thought what he showed at the Combine really made up for a lot of what happened in Kansas last year. Just didn't get on the floor. And yeah, that's, again, the, the college example I used earlier, he, he got in Bill Self's doghouse early and it never got out. But uh, he could be a future all-star. And I think that once you get past probably, oh, I don't know, I, I think really once you get past the top ten, I don't think there's another guy in this entire draft outside of Czech Diallo that could be a future all-star. So I don't think he'll fall, but there's another big you know, power forward center that if he did, I think the Hornets would be down to, to not take him. 
Let's talk about their options if they decide to trade back. Uh, uh, you're I, I, you're a fan of the Virginia Cavaliers, so I have to ask you about Malcolm Brogdon, who uh, could be an option for the Hornets if they decide to trade back. Brogdon seemed to be uh, inching up towards the first round, and now we've uh, got some news about a, a possible injury that could uh, cement him in that second round. What can you tell us about that injury, and what can you tell us about Brogdon as a player? Uh, I'll start with the injury. I, I don't know a ton. I, I can tell you that I got ticked, um, tipped off that he, he got something going on with his hand, which was surprising to me because he's never issued at, at UVA. He broke his foot in 2012, his left foot. Um, so you know, they've certainly kept it under wraps. Um, so I was really surprised to hear that, but apparently every team knows about it. And, uh, you know, I think that'll probably keep him in the second round. Doug, I, I think unless the Hornets are able to get back to the second round, I don't think you're going to see him in Charlotte. Um, as a player, uh, you're not going to find a guy with a higher basketball IQ. He's not a, a, an extremely explosive athlete. Um, he can play with the ball in his hands. He can be a creator and he can be a scorer, but he's not going to be a guy who comes off with pick and roll and explodes to the rim and, you know, and punches one down. He's a, he's a very fluid player. He's a very patient player. Uh, he comes from a system that's very pass, catch, patient uh, here in Virginia. Um, not going to make mistakes. I think that would be the one thing I would tell you about Malcolm Brogdon uh, on this next level. He, he is not going to turn the ball over. He's going to be able to guard, guard one, twos, and threes. Um, he's, he's a very small player. Uh, not a great uh, shot to this point. But he shot, you know, 38% last season from three of Virginia. Now that he's got a very flat release, he doesn't get a lot of lift on his jump shot. So does that translate to moving back to the NBA three-point line? I don't know. But what I can tell you is he's a smart player. Uh, you're not going to find a more coachable guy, and you're not going to find who works harder than a guy like Malcolm Brogdon. So wherever he ends up, he's going to be he's going to have a chance, and that team's going to have a good chance. Uh, with him to, to at least see him on the floor at one point in time in the NBA. Outside of that, we'll have to see how the rest of it falls. Last question for you, Spencer, and thank you so much for uh, joining us here on Hive Talk Live. Uh, listening to Rich Cho in in his press conference and, and just examining the Hornets' draft history over the past few years, it seems clear to me that when the Hornets target a, a particular player, part of the conversation that goes into targeting that player is, does that player's personality, does that player's uh, personality in terms of off the court, but also their personality on the court, how hard they play, are they willing to play defense, those are the type of things that that factor into their decision, and I think they factor in in a considerable way. Do you think that that's a smart way to draft? Do you think that that may ex, you know, exclude them or keep them out uh, or, or keep their minds a little closed about guys that have – uh, high potential, but may have some issues that they need to work out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it is. I mean, I think the Hornets got bit a little bit with you know the PJ Harrison thing, and they thought they could make that work. Um, I mean, I, I guess I would answer that question is I would say the Hornets are lucky to have a system coach like Steve Clifford um, and somebody who they trust one hundred percent and ten percent as their coach and. Um, and really, I think he gets final say in a lot of decisions, probably more, way more decisions than a lot of other uh, front offices and uh, you know in the league. So I think they trust him. I think that's one of his requirements. You know, I want guys to come in and work hard and buy in. Um, so I do think it's a smart way uh, to go about uh, drafting players and looking at free agents. I mean, it, to me, really, it's no different than 
than the workplace. I mean, you want people that are going to come in there and, and buy into going after a common goal. Uh, you know, it, you're going to be looking at a, at, a, at a steeper road uphill or steeper climb with with selfish individuals who, who are more about themselves. So, um, you know, and, and again, there's a small market like Charlotte uh, where you're really not going to get those stars, you know, especially in free agency. You need guys who are going to buy into a system. So I, I think that they have a really good blueprint down there right now, and, and I think they got the right people to run it. So, yeah, I think it's a big part of the draft process for them, and to me it's smart. A lot of great information there, Spencer. You can follow Spencer on Twitter, at QCH Spencer, and, of course, on QueenCityHoops.com. Uh, Spencer, enjoy the draft, and we'll talk to you soon. So a lot of great information there, and he had uh, very kind words for uh, Malcolm Brogdon, who uh, you're, I know that you're high on. You, I mean, you want him, you want him selected at 22, Justin. Oh. I mean, if they could move back and get him, I would be really happy about that. But I just think he's the safest at 22. If Because personally, I say trade out, period. But if you're going to make a draft pick, I would love for them to get him. I think he's, with the chance of, of losing Lynn being high, I think he's going to be a, a guard that comes in and just be smart. I feel like he could be like a Steve Blake for a long time mm-hmm. as far as just being solid, um, possibly hit a few jump shots, and, and just be a good solid basketball player for you. I think he's a guy that's earmarked as an all-around talent, David, and and the words all-around in the draft, they scare me. They scare me definitely in the lottery, but even in the late first round, that that word scares me because I feel like to get into an NBA rotation, you have to be really good at one thing, and then you have to not be debilitating in, in any one particular uh, aspect, rebounding, assist, defense, now, Brogdon is not debilitating in, in any particular category, but I don't think he excels at one thing enough. And when you're talking about a four-year senior, that's tough because you know what's, what's going in year five of his high-level basketball career, what's going to allow him to convince anyone that, that he's ready to be in a rotation? I don't know. Yeah, and you look at the system he came from. Obviously, a great coach in Tony Bennett, but a very different. A very that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. But a very different system. One in which you know they were holding the ball for what twenty five seconds almost, um, and letting him go to work. So yeah, I mean, I think he'll be a fine NBA player, land somewhere. I look forward to watching him on the Spurs for a while. <laughs> um, seems like a good fit there. Why Smart not? guy. I mean, NBA body. But um, yeah, you might be right, Doug. It's it's it's. Um, a great second round pick that you know we may look back on one day and say oh man how did he slip into the second round well you know it's all about potential in the draft and it's funny that that you mentioned the four-year guys I mean he's one of them right that that tends to get dinged um if you stay in school for four years even though you excel at a very high level so I don't that'd be a surprise pick there's a stigma against the four-year senior I think there's a stigma against winning individual awards in college I, I think people are are still a little frightened by uh, Frank Kaminsky winning, you know, AP Player of the Year, and uh, you had Adam Morrison, the, the nightmare. He he, uh, JJ Redick won AP I think that year, but but Adam Morrison was right there in the conversation, and so you worry about taking guys like that who aren't you know consensus uh, number one. But Denzel Denzel Valentine was certainly consensus, and and he had an amazing uh, year there at Michigan State, but. A lot of people scared by players that drastically 
increase their production in their final year of school. Mm -hmm. Because it's almost, I think, part of the reason that goes into that is it's almost like, you, you, we've all experienced it, I think, that when you go to high school or you, when you're a freshman, you don't know what's going on. Or when you go to college, when you're a freshman, you don't know what's going on. But slowly and surely through the years, you start to figure out the hacks. Like, how can I get through this class with the least amount of effort, but the most production? And and I think that there there's a worry there that these players have figured out college ball. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily an indicator of their success going forward. It's just an indicator that they figured out how to be successful at college basketball. And it's weird that you would say, oh, high production, that's a knock against you, but it's certainly that stigma is out there. Yeah, what do you think about a comparison to a guy like Evan Turner for Valentine? I like I like it, although I, I think For your that, guy, can handle the ball. Yeah. Can create. That's I think what, Valentine can shoot better than I do, too. That's Evan what Turner. I like about Valentine. He's another guy, imagine him out there with Kemba, Batum, who can create. Um, especially if they lose a guy like Jeremy Lin, who's also a creator. You know, that's something that, that they'll like. So I think he's interesting there personally, and I think he could probably step in and play. And he's one of, of many guys who has these injuries that come up in the combine, and then you have almost a chasm opens up, and on one side are teams that are like, meh, and on the other side of the team's like, I'm not touching this guy with a 10-foot pole because of a foot injury. And, and people yeah. are, are are just – they can't deal with the, the, the whole aspect of a foot injury, and I think – Look at it last year, boy, Miles Turner, right? Well, someone Gate, made – I, I think uh, I was reading an article on uh, CSN, and, and they talked about how some people were speculating that the foot injury reminded them of, bum, 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 no. Danny Granger. And Ooh. and so that's what keeps that's him – Well, that's what keeps him out of the – because it's not – here's the thing with the foot injury. It's not an injury that's going to keep him out now. Mm. it's 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 one of those indicator injuries of i don't know if this foot can hold up and because you you take a guy like malik beasley who has the stress fracture uh had the stress fracture procedure and they did that as a precaution and he might have to miss summer league like they won't even have that development time if you end up drafting malik beasley Uh, but people are less concerned with that injury than they are foot because that's going. That, I think people see foot injuries as like that's going to cut years off this guy's production. Yeah, I think at twenty two, it's worth you know that's a different kind of gamble when you're talking about an upside guy like Maker, a uh, potential upside guy, and you've kind of know what you'll get. Yeah, you kind of know what you're, or you at least you hope you know we're going to get. If you get three years out of Valentine, you know, is that a good pick at at that spot? So. I wanted to. I wanted. I, so again, I did a mock draft for BostonGlobe.com, and I had both Thon Maker and Malik Beasley available to me, and I wanted so badly to take Thon, but I yeah. the heart wants what the heart wants. I'm just in love. I have a basketball crush on Malik Beasley. One, one thing this one, season. Go ahead, Justin. Was Prince off the board when you got there? Twenty. He did. He did. He got God. taken two picks above. I, I was thinking about Prince he's too. A, he's in that area. I mean, he's he's a guy that you've seen in some of these mock drafts. But one thing back to Beasley, real quick. And Spencer mentioned he didn't like his defense that much. If I'm the Hornets, I not that we, they don't value defense, obviously, but I think Clifford can make anyone a f- decent defensive player, Valid and we've point. seen it, right? Like, I mean, Jeremy Lin, not known for his defense, certainly struggled at times, but like that system and the guys that he's got around them, I'm not worried about someone coming in and not be able to play defense. Well, now, his defensive woes, I think, are more around his size and not necessarily his ability to stay right. in front. I think he's got the quickness to stay in front. I mean, look what he's done with Kemba. Kemba's, yeah. Kemba's fine, right? I mean, he's not going to lock you up or anything. He's but a tenacious yeah. little guy. 
So, yeah. I mean, I, that's just one little note that that popped out to me, especially watching the playoffs and the end of the season of this team, is that I think Clifford can take the three of us and put together a, a good defensive unit. Hey, we'd be all well, right, though. Maybe not Justin. <laughs> oh, no. He's no. A, he's a little... He's a little thin. Might get, I, I, might I get beat small, up. Man. They take they take me to the rim. That's a, um, that's a knock against my game. <laughs> it's time to mock it up, guys. If the Hornets decide to pick at twenty two, who will they take? Who do the experts think they'll take? With a look at how the mock drafts look for the Hornets, let's send it over to the man whose hair has a high motor and NBA range, David Walker. David. I just got a summer cut too. So. <laughs> He's looking fresh. All right, so I like to go through the mock drafts as as everyone does. So I I went through and grabbed uh you know the the known quantities, all the highlights from the blogs that we really enjoy, and then I went for a, I grabbed one from Forbes as well because I figured they they know what they're talking. Turn about, your right? pop up blocker off because you can't <laughs> visit their site until you turn your plot pop up blocker. So off. So we'll just go right down the list here. The vertical uh, who's coming on strong lately. They, I, I saw Woj is going to be doing a live. That's going to screw them. A live. That's going to screw Wait, ESPN. The vertical, the vertical does podcast now. They have a couple. <laughs> they have a couple sods out there. So the vertical has them taking a guy that Spencer mentioned and, and help me out with the names. Well, Justin, help me out with the names. D- Doug, don't help me out with the names. Copy that. Eve, uh, Ivica? Zubek? Oh, Zubak? Oh, you're on your own. Ivica? <laughs> Zubek, I think. Zubak. Ivanka, I believe. Ivanka. Yeah. 19 year old, seven foot one. Uh, Spencer mentioned him. So that would be filling that need for the big post presence. Now, Draft Express and Chad Ford both have the Hornets grabbing Denzel Valentine, a guy with, that we just talked about. Well, because look, he's going he's going to fall. And and I think if you're the Hornets or any other team, you have I think the Hornets could find success in terms of trading that pick for finding a team that has that already has multiple picks and may have multiple second round picks of those sixers that could want to get one more first round draft pick and want to take a chance on a guy like valentine in that injury yeah fox sports uh popular pick with doug malik beasley yeah but so rick bennell from the hornet or from the Observer. yeah that's right so that was Ooh. a name out there and then i'll back that up with a popular one for justin Beep. cbs sports torian prince yes so there's one vote for prince well, let's and, talk, look, can we talk about yeah. Prince for a second? How do you feel about Tor- Torian, Torin, FIBA, FIBA? I think How do you feel about Prince? I think it's Torin. Torin. I, don't know, I think it's Torian. Torin. I like him. It's Prince. You like you like yes. him a lot. And I'm gonna tell you what. One reason why I really like him is I think we can all agree. Nobody thinks Michael Kidd is going to play 82 games, mm-hmm. and Courtney Lee is probably not coming back. But I don't think Prince is playing one game. And, I think you got. I think until he gets stronger, you got to send that guy to Greensboro. And um. And, and and if that's the case, if his strength is a, is a, is a case, guess what? I'm trading a pick, moving out. Hey, here's here's um another thing that went through my head when I didn't select Thon Maker because I love the guy's potential, but I'm always worried when you talk about potential and and the Charlotte franchise because I don't think they've shown a history of being able to develop raw talent. And even though they have a D League team, even though they'll be able to send players to Greensboro and control their fate next season, they they obviously we had the the tragic uh, news about mm. the the coach that they were targeting, Sean Rooks, uh, Sean Rooks uh, passing away, and so now they they they're scrambling to find a, a head coach to fill that position for the Greensboro Swarm. I don't know if that development uh, uh, atmosphere will be there to to get a guy like Thon up to speed. I mean, it from day one, right? Right, yeah. or yeah. day day sixty, whatever, whatever. Hey, can I say something? <laughs> NBADraft.net gives uh, my man Prince <laughs> an eight out of ten when it comes to strength. 
That's <laughs> weird because the knock on him, I think, is that he's not not bulky enough. He better gain some weight. He's in the mix. And then the last one, Forbes, as I mentioned, has the Hornets selecting center from Vanderbilt, Damian Jones. I saw Damian Jones' name a lot around 22 early on in the mock drafting process. And, you know, it's just a guy I feel like doesn't he, – he, he's going to need a lot of work on offense. And uh, he's got shot-blocking ability. But I just think basketball IQ is too big of an issue with Damian Jones. I just don't feel like he's going to be able to cut some of the mistakes that he made at Vanderbilt. He's got raw – you know, the, the physical tools are all there. Uh, I, I just think the it just it just seems like the NBA is going to be too big, too fast mm. for him. If you guys had to fill, because we talk about like the wing players and we talk about a defensive presence, a post guy inside. If you have to pick one area to fill those two spots, the draft or free agency, would you rather go free agency for for the big guy down low? Would you rather find him in the draft? You know what I mean, or vice versa? Which would you rather pick up in this draft? I would probably go with free agency only because Clifford for the says, big guy. yeah, Clifford yeah. says, um, you know, defense for for big guys coming from college to the league is is tough because I remember he was talking about Frank and he was saying Frank's biggest adjustment was just the defense that he'd get lost in the sets and and yes. just how complicated it was. So I was like, knowing that you know the center is not really sexy, but it's important. You know, angrier defense at times, even though they have MKG. I said, if you can get a proven veteran. You know, he doesn't have to be super expensive, but somebody can come in, can learn the system, not really making mistakes, I'd go free agency. And I think there's a lot of reachable talent for the Hornets in in free agency in the bigs. I think the wings, it gets a little tougher. I think that there's a little bit of a drought. As we discussed, the drop-off after Batum on the wings in free agency is significant. And I was looking at a guy like Diamond Stone, who we haven't brought up, Kind of a baby Al Jefferson. Kind of a baby Al Jefferson, which yeah. is interesting to me because as much as I've been a proponent of Al staying here, um, you know, on the right well, under the right circumstances, we know what Al can do. He'll still be able to score. I don't know if, if Diamond Stone's gonna come in and be able to score. I mean, he's yeah, gonna be a big guy. But I think if you're gonna go that way, you're you're staying with Al, who's reliable. I don't think you're bringing in what could be the next version of Al. It's probably not going to be from an offensive standpoint. I don't think he's a big shot blocker either. He could take mm-hmm. up space. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I can see why that makes sense to slide him in there as a little big Al, but I'm not sure that's the right fit, which which means they'll probably take him. <laughs> no, exactly. No, any, anything we come up with or, or we th- if we doubt it, it'll happen if we think it's possible. If you think they booed Cody Zeller – if they draft Diamond Stone, I mean, people are going name. to be irate. I, that's interesting, though. You bring that up, Justin. I don't know who would get a bad reaction at that 22. I mean, who, who would be the worst? Because last year, you know, who the, <laughs> the worst pick we said was Frank, and they picked him. Um, <laughs> so this year, who do you think would garner the worst? At the 22 position? The 20, I mean, who, like who really is kept up? You know what I mean? I think everyone would love to see a Thon maker or yeah. even Malik Beasley and yeah. Valentine's name showed up a lot. Probably yeah. an international guy is uh, if yeah. we did if we Thanks did go and Zizic is a name I think that that could have people scratching heads because he doesn't seem to fit into the modern NBA mold. He can't. He's not going to stretch the floor at all. I mean, he is really just a guy that's going to that can bang down low. He's he's got the strength, uh, but his offense is raw and, and he's really he's going to be a great rebounder. 
but can he pass? I mean, everybody has to pass now. One through five has to pass, and I think there are some, you know, the the other, the Zubak, he's going to be the passer. He's going to be the distributor underneath. Zizic is just a just a big, raw dude underneath that's going to grind and bang, and I just don't know if if that really fits in the modern NBA. So I'll go Zizic. If Zizic ends up in a Hornets uniform or a Greensboro Swarm uniform, mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't know if fans are, are really getting behind that pick. No, they'd be pissed. <laughs> All right, well, we'll uh, this has been a great show. Uh, we've uh, gone through a lot of the prospects. I'm sure we've missed a few here and there, but uh, it'll be an interesting draft. Whatever happens with the Hornets, we will be there to do reactions. Here, I'm going to throw something out at you. I didn't get a chance to talk to you guys about this before the show. We're not doing a live draft special because it's just to be too intense. I was going to say, one way to guarantee they trade out of that and don't make any selections is for us to sit here. Correct, yeah. We can't, <laughs> we can't do that to ourselves or to the listeners. That would just be too crazy. So I think, why don't we get on YouTube from our respective homes and do a little live reaction. What do you think about that? So let's try it. All right, that, let's try that it. That sounds like you have to be good technology. Well, we'll Justin, we'll take care of you. Don't worry. Okay. We'll, we'll make sure you get uh, online. But okay. uh, yeah, so check us out on YouTube. You uh, just search Hive Talk Live on YouTube and subscribe to our channel, and we'll do some live reactions there, and then we'll we'll put it up on the podcast as well. And uh, and hopefully, you know, we'll get on a few days after that because we got to start talking about free agency. It's going to yes. that's going to be I'm interesting. Excited. Like mm-hmm. I, I love talking about the draft, but I'm more excited to talk I about free agency draft. than anything. <laughs> I want to end uh, this show by cracking open the history books and telling you a little bit about the talent that has been available in uh, the spot of the 22 selection last year. It was Bobby Portis. I think if if a, and that was a guy who fell. I mean, the, yep. the bottom fell out for Portis, and I really think Portis is going to be a great player, and he he was able to serve a role for the Chicago Bulls team at the end of the year. So, you know, guys can be available that that can play a big role for a team, even at 22. Some notable names here, Kenneth Fareed and uh, current Hornet for now, Courtney Lee, Jarrett Jack, Reggie Lewis, Scott Skiles, and uh, Randy Whitman was a 22 mm. selection. And for all the Tar Heel fans out there, we got a few in the studio right now, the one and only Smokin' Joe Forte was a 22nd pick by the Boston Celtics. Those were some oh, rough years. <laughs> All right, this is not Charlotte's first rodeo in the 22nd slot. They selected George Zedek in 1995, and the Charlotte Bobcats selected, now he's now a Charlotte killer, Jared Dudley. He comes into Charlotte every year and mm-hmm. just lights the team up. But he was selected at 22 in 2007. Well, thank you for listening, whether you watch this on Periscope or listen to us live. Uh, on Blog Talk Radio, follow us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live on Instagram, even on Snapchat. We're there, I promise. Maybe, uh, maybe you, David, you need to take over the Snapchat. Maybe I will. All right, there. Um, and also make sure to check out at thehive.com for all of the reactions uh, to the draft and leading up to the draft. We've got some great previews, some great scouting reports coming out about some of the names that we've talked about. Get more in-depth information with at thehive.com and and thank you to Spencer Percy from queencityhoops.com for coming on and of course last but definitely not least thank you to you gentlemen for joining me here in the studio should be whatever happens I think it's going to be an exciting year in Charlotte for the Charlotte Hornets this was fun absolutely three man weave we got to do it more often yeah I, I motion I motion podcasting I'm writing a book it's called motion podcast all right we'll see you next time until then Hornets fans let's swarm Charlotte Napa know how.
takes a lot to get excited about a bag, but most bags can't save you 20% on auto parts. That's 20% off headlamps, 20% off oil filters, 20% off virtually anything you can fit inside the 99-cent Napa reusable bag. So tell your buddies, there's a bag they just have to check out. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa auto parts stores while supplies last. Minimum three items. Exclusions apply. Offer ends 10 31